everyone. Good morning. I see some friendly faces. Um, I'm currently not even at home visiting my sister. So a little bit of a different screen for me. Um, but I'm so happy that I can be here um, and share this opportunity with all of you guys. And we'll, I've got some beautiful stories and ideas and things I'd love to share with you. So here we go together. And obviously, if you have anything that you want to share or ask, there's a chat box. Um, and we can do what we call far brain, you know, where we, we, we share ideas um, and inspire each other. It's a, it's a very inspirational day, and I'm really happy that I can be part of this. So we have on our college campus, Shabbat Solish said, um, that we're Chabad at Georgia Tech and Georgia State. Um, and that is where we do everything that we love to do. And we started this new holiday. So um, it's called Shabbat 360. And other campuses have what they call Shabbat 500, Shabbat 100, whatever it is. Basically, we decided that the best way to get Jews together is with holidays because we were seeing you know, our college students on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Hanukkah and Passover. And then, you know, a lot of them, that was all that we were seeing them. So we're like, hey, let's start a new holiday. We're gonna call it Shabbat 360. We started off with Shabbat 250. And it just meant that we wanted to get that amount of people uh, in together for a Shabbat dinner. And the first year that we did it, I, gathered my student board together and I'm like, all right, guys, we're going to do this incredible thing. We're going to get 250 Jewish students together for this dinner. Literally all of them, except for one, looked at me and they said, Shifra, we are never going to make that happen. Um, okay. and, and I said to them, we're going to, we're going to do our best. And we're gonna make this happen. And they're like, all right, I don't know what you're thinking, but okay. So we start. And we start literally messaging every single student that we knew. And we would go onto campus and everybody that would we would meet, we would invite them to come to this Shabbat 250, and then years later to Shabbat 360. And every single person that we met, every single person that we messaged was value, valued and needed because we literally needed everybody in order to get to our goal. And by the time the night came, I remember the third year we did it, Shabbat 360, I got up and I looked at this huge tent filled with so many incredible people. And I could look and see how each person got there. Everybody had a host and the host brought everybody together. And I could look through everyone and see how all of them were there. And I got up and I told them a story. I said, the Rebbe who inspired all of this on Sundays would stand for dollars and give out dollars to thousands of people who would come by. And as the Sunday went on for hours and hours and hours, people would stand in line receiving dollars from the Rebbe. 
and every person that came by got undivided attention. The Rebbe looked directly at them and gave them a blessing for whatever they needed. And just for that split second, that's though that was the only person in the world that existed. And there was this one elderly woman who was standing in line for many, many, many hours, and she just got tired. You know, after a few hours of standing there, she was really tired of standing in line. And she looks at the Rebbe, who's 10 years her senior. And when she finally gets to standing in front of the Rebbe, she says, Rebbe, I don't understand. You're older than I am, and I'm so tired standing here. How do you not get tired standing here giving out dollars to everybody? And the Rebbe responded to her, one of the most beautiful responses in the world, when you're counting diamonds, you don't get tired. And I told this story to this Shabbat 360 to all these students, and I said, that is the exact same thing that's happening tonight. Tonight, we are counting diamonds. Tonight, every single one of you that's here in this room is a diamond because there is no way that we could have reached 360. There is no way we could have done it without each and every one of you that's here. And I said, this idea is so radical that every single person is valued and needed and needs to be here in order for us to come together and reach a collective goal. Where does this come from? The inspiration that every single person is valued and needed all comes from the Rebbe. The Rebbe is our inspiration to know that it's not just enough to, you know, plan an event and invite people when whoever comes, comes. Every single person is important. And I know that if I would go to the Rebbe right now and say, Rebbe, we got 360 people at our Shabbat dinner, the Rebbe's response would be, and how many Jewish students are at Georgia Tech and Georgia State? It's not enough that we have this amount of people here. There are still people missing. There are still other Jewish students who deserve and should be at a Shabbat dinner together celebrating with all of us. Each and every person that we meet is valued, and it's not enough to just be content. Oh, we reached our goal. Wonderful. No, next year it has to be even bigger. Next year we have to work even harder until every single Jewish student is reached and is given the opportunity just to have Judaism accessible to them. So that inspiration for working crazy hard and staying up till 2 a.m. every night for a month until we found 360 Jewish students to come to this dinner. And for every student that we found, there were another five who said we can't come. That comes from the Rebbe. And 100% me on my own, there is no way that I would ever think to live a life like this. To live a life where every single Jewish person that I meet is valued and beautiful, that's not something that I've been inspired to do on my own. That comes from living a life that's inspired by the Rebbe. What was so unique and is so unique about the Rebbe is that every person was valued. The Rebbe made rallies 
gathered together thousands of children. What other Jewish leader who meets with the greatest dignitaries, right, would gather together children and, and speak directly to them? So many times the Rebbe gathered together just the children, and on Lagba Omer, the Rebbe would hold this huge parade and wave to every single child. You can see the Rebbe like this, waving to every child passing by. Just watching the Rebbe's care and love for small children inspires me so much. When you know, a, a chassid, who was who was a rabbi and a principal of a school, came to the Rebbe and said, I have a problem that, you know, with my children, I can sometimes lose my temper and I can get angry and yell. The Rebbe's response to him was, you should know that God gave you a gift. If you knew that God had given you a gift that needed to be returned, how would you treat that gift? Every day when you get up, remind yourself that your children are a gift from the creator of this universe. And you're going to be returning that gift. How are you treating that gift? I heard that story and it just inspired me so much with my own children. They're not just my kids that I can raise however I want. They're not. They are, each and every one of them, a precious gift from the creator of this universe, from God. And I have to remember that at every moment when I talk to them, when I tuck them into bed at night, when I'm frustrated, when I'm having a bad day, I have to breathe deeply and tell myself, no, it's not just my kids. These are individual diamonds. Each of them is a precious gift. And I need to treat that gift with the utmost respect. And even if I lose my temper, and even if I give them dinner and they throw it all over the floor, and even if, you know, they're painting my walls with toothpaste, whatever's happening, I have to just reframe and shift and say, these are gifts from God. And the exact same thing was the Rebbe's respect for all people. To me, most empowering was the Rebbe's utmost respect for women. I have never heard of any other Jewish leader or really any other leader who had such an incredible level of respect and honor for women. The Rebbe started conventions for women only. The Rebbe would empty out the entire 770, the entire synagogue, the whole level Shoo the men out, out. They would have, if they wanted to listen, they had to go upstairs and fill it with women and speak to the women only. The Rebbe gave hours and hours of talks directed specifically towards women and empowered women to be leaders. There is no other organization on the face of this earth today that has an equal amount of women CEOs as men CEOs. And Chabad, that's the way the Rebbe set it up. When the Rebbe sent out shluchim, when the Rebbe sent out emissaries, leaders across the globe, the Rebbe never sent just a man or just a woman. The Rebbe sent men and women together as couples so that we could have an equal balance 
of male energy and female energy, and the Rebbe saw the value in that. I could quote to you from today till tomorrow, things that the Rebbe said that sound like some of the greatest feminists that ever existed. But I would never put the Rebbe into that box of a feminist because the Rebbe valued women as women. The Rebbe saw this incredible power that women have, and the Rebbe knew that our world needs that energy so much today. When I say that the Rebbe counted diamonds, I mean that the Rebbe didn't just lump everybody together and say, oh, you're all valuable. No, it was like Shabbat 360, where each and every person was valued. So when I say that the Rebbe values women, I mean that the Rebbe could look to the very core of a person and see what is it that this person can accomplish that no one else can. And when the Rebbe looked at women, the Rebbe saw this incredible feminine energy, this nurturing energy, this energy of love and compassion and saw, wow, the world is lacking this so much. What if we could shift our perspective? What if we could invite women to the global table and ask women to change this world? How much could we accomplish? And the Rebbe did just that by sending out thousands of women across the globe to become leaders in their own communities and transform the face of, of global Jewry as we see it, the Rebbe just infused this whole world with a feminine energy that was so lacking and so needed. And I am forever grateful to the Rebbe for giving me the opportunity to be who I am to be a mother and a wife and a woman and be so powerful and so effective being who I am. When I speak to my, to, to our college girls, I mean, we're at Georgia Tech and we have these women who are going to work at Google and Facebook and Apple and all sorts of tech companies. And they tell me on my team, I'm the only woman, you know, Shifra, what does Judaism say to me? How should I represent myself, you know, on my team at these engineering companies? And I remember one girl I looked at, she was going to work at Google, and I said to her, listen, there are so many guys on your team. The last thing your team needs is more male energy. That's the last thing they need. So whatever you do, be a woman. I said, from the perspective that I gained from the Rebbe, the world needs more feminine energy. You need to get onto that team and you need to do what only a woman can do. Listen to what other people are saying. Hear everybody else out. And then through listening to everyone else, then bring out the ideas that you have within you and convince everybody else what the best way to do, whatever it is that you need to get done, done with the feminine energy that you have, with the compassion and the nurturing and the understanding of human nature, you can transform Google in a way that nobody else can. And she's there and she's doing just that. And I honestly could not be more proud. It's incredible.
So we see how the rabbi valued children. We see how the rabbi valued women in a way that no other Jewish leader did. And another incredible way that we see the rabbi value the individual is the rabbi's value for people with special needs. I know my husband's great aunt, Hannah Sharfstein, she had a daughter um, who was a beautiful full-term baby. Um, and then at 18 months, she began to realize that her daughter wasn't walking. Certain things were a little bit off. So she went and she did a neurological test and the results came back that her daughter had autism. Now this was at a time when no one understood what that meant. It was just a term and it basically meant take the child and lock them up because they're never gonna be a fully functioning human being. Well, this Aunt Hannah was very close with the Rebbe. Ever since her father passed away when she was a young girl, um, she had a very close relationship with the Rebbe and she came in in tears and she had this private meeting with the Rebbe and she said, Rebbe, you know, this is what they're saying about my daughter. The Rebbe smiled and the Rebbe looked at this little girl, this little toddler, pushed a piece of paper across the table to her and gave her a pencil or pen. And this little girl picked up the pen and began to scribble across the paper. And the rabbi said, had this huge smile. Wow, look at this incredible girl. She can do so much. And the rabbi gave Hannah the, this advice for how to raise this little girl who was, you know, given this diagnosis of autism with Judaism in her life, with putting a charity box in her room, with teaching her Aleph with teaching her how to walk. The rabbi pushed Hannah to do everything possible to give this girl a full Jewish life in the most beautiful way. And she grew up doing so much more than the doctors ever expected from her. She walked and she communicated and she did mitzvahs, she gave tzedakah, and she, she could learn in, in her own way, and her life was valuable. Only because the Rebbe had the vision to look at her and see past any diagnosis, see past any physical deformities, and just see her core, and see who she was truly on the inside. There was another group of people that the Rebbe did this with. They were called um, the, the wounded in the Israeli army. And they're basic, they basically had the title of being disabled veterans of war. And someone came up with the idea to take all these disabled veterans on a trip, on a tour, you know, give them a good time. So they took all these disabled veterans and they were going to take them across the U.S. And they decided that while they're in New York, they should make a meeting with the Rebbe. So you have all these, you know, wounded veterans, some missing a leg, an arm, an eye, severely disabled. And they come into the big synagogue in 770. And the Rebbe comes out to meet them and walks over to each one individually and gives them a 
big smile and a handshake and says, thank you for what you've done. And then the Rebbe spoke to them and said to them, I don't understand why they call you the disabled veterans. I think you should be called the Mitsuyane Tzahal, the ones who excel in the army, because you have given your entire life, everything about yourself for the country of Israel. How incredible is it what you have done? And we know that when a person loses one sense, you know, if a person loses the ability to do something in one area, we know that they're always granted an extra sense in another level. And I am certain that each and every one of you excels in a certain level, in a certain area, one of your, in some area of life, because something has been taken away from you. And so therefore you should be called the ones who excel. And each of you is valued and important, and we thank you for everything that, we, that you've done, and we're sure that you'll go on to accomplish incredible things. The rabbit turned around a view at that time where somebody who was crippled or disabled was viewed as, you know, not a full human being. The rabbit completely looked past that, didn't even say, no, you're also a human being. The rabbit completely looked past that and said, you're more. You're even more than just a regular person. You excel. There's something extra special about you. Now, with all of these people, I believe that the reason why the Rebbe was able to do this and value the individual in this way was because the Rebbe embodied Chapter 32 of Tanya. Now, some of you on here may have studied some of the Tanya. It's a book of incredible inspiration written by the very first Chabad Rebbe, Mishneh Zalman of Liadi. And in this book, the, the goal of the book basically is to teach us all how to be the best human beings that we can be. You know, reach the ultimate level of who you can be as a person. And then suddenly in the middle of the book, chapter 32, um, Rabbi Shneir Zalman goes off on a tangent seemingly and begins to talk about love. And in this talk about love, Rabbi Shneir Zalman begins to describe how it is possible to love every human being with complete love. And he basically says that if you can push aside your the body self of your of your own self and not focus on the outside if you can look at all people and not just see the body self that they have the the, the physical being that they're surrounded with if you can look deeper than what you see on the outside you will be able to see the core of every human being. And at the core we know lies the neshama. So if we look deeper, we will be able to see the neshama, the soul of every single person. And the Rebbe actually did that. 
You know, we strive to live like that. The Rebbe actually did. When the Rebbe met thousands of people every Sunday for dollars, the Rebbe wasn't looking at what they looked like on the outside. The Rebbe was doing this X-ray vision past the external to the core of every person and seeing their soul, seeing who they were at their core. And so when the Rebbe looked at a child, the Rebbe didn't just see a miniature human being. The Rebbe saw the potential in this person and what this child could accomplish and what they were accomplishing right now. And it was just this incredible vision. And when the Rebbe looked at people, at, at the, when the Rebbe looked at women, the Rebbe didn't just look at, you know, human beings. The Rebbe saw, wow, these women have this incredible power inside of them. We need to tap into that power. And when the Rebbe looked at people with special needs, when the Rebbe looked at people with disabilities, the Rebbe saw past anything on the outside and saw how they excelled in certain areas in life. When the Rebbe looked at a child who was born with autism, the Rebbe never saw the autism. The Rebbe saw the mitzvahs that this child could do. The Rebbe saw the Torah that this child could learn. The Rebbe saw the good that this child could bring into the world. And from the Rebbe's perspective, the greatest of leaders and the most simple of people all were on an equal playing field because the goal was only to make this world a more beautiful place. Our goal is only to transform this world and make it shine. And from that perspective, every soul is needed and valued and every soul can make this world more beautiful. There is no saying that one person is greater than the other when you look at their soul and you look at their potential and you look at what they're able to accomplish. Last night, I watched a video of the Rebbe where the Rebbe talks about this, it's a story about this basketball coach who would come to all of the Rebbe's Farbrayans and he didn't understand a word, but he would get up and he would sing together with the Rebbe and the Rebbe would motion to him like this and they had this beautiful relationship. And the video highlights the Rebbe's perspective of every human being and how being a simple Jew, somebody who's not necessarily so learned or maybe is very learned, but just somebody who, who has this deep, heartfelt connection, how valuable that is. And the Rebbe says that the sincerity of simple Jews reaches and connects them to God's simple essence. Indeed, God's essence is found within every single Jew, especially within the simplest of Jews. You know, sometimes when we become very sophisticated, sometimes when we pride ourselves in, you know, I'm an important person and I have an important position and I CEO of a company or people value me and I'm so intelligent, I've learned so much. Sometimes what happens is we become so sophisticated we lose touch with our core. We lose touch with just the simple connection that our neshama gives us. 
but a simple person who hasn't learned so much. A simple person who's not so sophisticated and doesn't think so hardly of themselves can connect with the depths of their soul to the creator of the universe. Because at, the, at our core, we are a chelak elokami mal mamish. We are just a piece of God. And the word mamish, you can't even translate, it's just so much so. We are just a piece of God at our core. The rebel was able to tap into that core that we all have and tell us dig deeper. At your core, you are a piece of God. And if you can tap into that, you can be connected to the creator of this entire universe in an incredible way. And when the Rebel was looking at this basketball coach who had no clue what was going on at this far bringing, he didn't understand any Yiddish, he didn't understand any Hebrew, he didn't understand any of the great deep Torah talks. He was just in it for the connection. The Rebbe saw the beautiful connection that his neshama, that his soul had with God and just how on fire he was. And it was an incredible thing to see. So when the Rebbe looked at every single one of us, the Rebbe really looked at our core. The Rebbe really dug deep inside of us and pushed away the exterior, pushed away everything that was hiding, you know, who we really were and was able to see what we were really able to accomplish. So not just to the children and to, you know, people who were special in one way or another, did the Rebbe dig deep to the core. The Rebbe did this to thousands upon thousands of individuals and was able to transform regular people into leaders. You know, great leaders have many followers, but the greatest leaders create many more leaders. And that's exactly what the Rebbe did. So it's funny because this exact concept is one that we spoke about just yesterday. Now, we weren't all able to be in synagogue because, you know, it's all shut down, but Nevertheless, across the globe, Jewish people, we were all reading from the same Torah, from the same Torah portion. And the Torah portion that we were reading was about the spies. It was the portion of Shlach. And we were all reading this intense story about these spies who Moses sent to the land of Israel, and they were supposed to scout out the place and, you know, come back and give a report on how to conquer the land. And instead, they came back and they slandered the land and they said, we're never going to be able to, you know, the, the people there are so powerful and so strong and so huge. It's, it's so scary. And we felt like grasshoppers in their eyes. And look at these fruits. They're ginormous fruits. How are we ever going to be able to go up there and to conquer this place? And the Rebbe takes this story and asks an incredible question. Rabbi asks, hold a second. God never said to send spies. God just said, go to the land of Israel. And when Moses said, can we send spies? God just said, do whatever you want, okay? <laughs> for, for the men who are on here, 
who are married, if your wife tells you, do whatever you want, right? If you ask a question and they say, do whatever you want, you know it's a bad sign and you should definitely do whatever, definitely not do whatever you want, <clears throat> right? Because saying do whatever you want doesn't necessarily mean that the person agrees with whatever your intentions are. And yet, what does Moshe do? He goes and he sends spies. Why would he do that? God never sent to send, said to send spies. God just said, go to Israel. Okay, he said, God said, yes, if you want to, sure, do whatever you want. But that wasn't an instruction to do this. So why did Moses send spies? And not only that, <clears throat> Moses was worried about it. And what happened? The spies came back, messed up the whole plan, told everybody negative things, and the Jewish people had to wander for 40 years in the desert because of it. Seems like this terrible idea. So why did Moses send spies in the end to the land of Israel? What was the purpose in this, if there was a doubt that it would turn out well or not? The Rebbe's perspective on this is so incredibly empowering, especially to people who are leaders. And the Rebbe's perspective was, how to be a good leader. See, Moshe was a leader. Moshe was a leader of the entire Jewish people. And he knew what needed to, to get done. But he also knew that on his own, he's not gonna get the job done. The best way to accomplish a huge amount is for a leader to empower other people. The more that you empower others, the more you can accomplish. And so, what did Moshe do? What did Moses do? He empowered 12 leaders from amongst the Jewish people. He empowered 12 others and told them, listen, we need to get to the land of Israel. That is what God wants. Here is what we need to do. You need to go to the land and you need to figure out what is the best way to conquer the land. You need to go to the land of Israel and you need to see, are the cities surrounded by walls or not? What type of people live in these cities? What's the best way to enter the land? Strategic planning, get some data, bring that data back to us and we will figure out from that what's the best way to conquer this land. Because Moshe knew from God that when God tells us to do something, God gives us the general instructions, and then God wants to figure out the rest ourselves. Just like with Abraham. God came to Abraham and said, offer your son, your only son on the mountain to me as an offering. God didn't tell Abraham how to do it. God didn't even tell him exactly where. God didn't tell him with what materials. And yet the next morning, Abraham gets up. And he quickly saddles his donkey and he gathers firewood and he brings fire and he brings all the necessary tools and he starts traveling and he brings a son with him and he builds an altar. Did God tell him to do all those things? No. So why was he doing that if God didn't tell him to do it? Because God empowers us as human beings to add our own creativity to the mix. God tells us, this is what I want you to do. Now you go figure out how to do it, okay? 
And so Abram gets up and he adds all these things to what God tells him to do because he knows God's not going to tell me bit by bit what to accomplish. You know, when the, the previous Rebbe first sent out Shluchim, first sent out emissaries like, like the Rebbe did thousands of people today, there were those who just didn't know what to do. So for every single program that they did, they were going to give a class, they would ask the previous Rebbe, what should I teach about? They were going to, you know, make a dinner. You know, who should we invite and what should we say and what should we serve? Everything they would ask the previous Rebbe. Until, you know, the Rebbe's response to one of them was, until when will I have to hold you in my hand like a baby? Figure it out. I don't even tell you all the details. Use your own creativity. Get out there and accomplish what you need to accomplish. And so that was Moses' message to the spies. We need to get to the land of Israel, okay? That's all God tells us to do. God wants us to get the land of Israel. Now, we can add our own creativity to the mix. We're going to decide how is the best way to get the land of Israel. We'll send spies to see what's the best way to enter the land. But the goal all along was to get to the land of Israel. They just had to figure out what's the best way to do it. How did they mess up? Because they gathered more than just data. Rather than just going and doing what they needed to do, rather than just going and figuring out how are we going to get into the land of Israel, they added their own opinion. They didn't do what was needed to get done. They did what they wanted to get done. They never wanted to go to the land of Israel. And so even when they were there, they looked for issues. They quetched like only good Jews can. And they came back with this report that was, oh, we're never going to be able to enter the land. Because they added their own opinion to the mix. And that's why we had to wander into the desert for 40 years because they didn't have in mind the goal that God wanted them to have. They had in mind the goal that they wanted. And so that was the report that they brought back. And that is the Rebbe's powerful message to leaders. And I believe that if more leaders, more politicians, more educational leaders, more communal leaders would understand this message, our world would be so much more of a beautiful place. The message is, there is a goal that you all need to accomplish. There is a goal that every human being has to accomplish here. God tells us what we need to do here in this world. We need to make this world a home for God. We need to do mitzvahs. We need to learn Torah. We need to fill this world with beauty. Wonderful. God doesn't tell us exactly how to do all of those things. God tells us the general idea. Now we need to creatively figure out how we're going to get it done. God tells us, I want you to have a mezuzah on your door. I want you to write these words on your door. We figure out that we're going to have this beautiful case and it's going to be decorated so beautifully and we're going to hang it there with pride for everybody to see and we're going to tap it or give it a kiss every time we pass by it. We add all that creativity to it because we love the mitzvah and we want to do this mitzvah. So it's empowering us 
to add our own personal creativity, our own juices, our own, you know, soul powers to every mitzvah that we do. But the goal always has to be to do what God wants. We have a Torah. We want to keep that Torah. Now we need to figure out what's the best way that we can possibly keep this Torah. So we have the mitzvahs already. We know what it is that we need to accomplish. Now we need to get out there and creatively add our own personal emotions and feelings to it so that we make the mitzvah shine even more beautifully. Okay? God tells us to keep Shabbat and make it beautiful. We decide that we're going to have this beautiful meal and we're going to have this white tablecloth and that we're going to adorn the table with these beautiful candlesticks and we're going to invite guests to our table and we're all going to sit together and we're going to sing songs and it's going to be this incredible experience. None of that is written in the Torah. We add all this beauty to the Shabbat experience. Why? Because we love the mitzvahs and we want to make them more beautiful. And that is the message to every leader today. Your job is to lead your community. Your job is to lead your country in a way that God wants you to. That means you need to be selfless. You need to put yourself aside and say, what is it that I am supposed to be accomplishing here? What is it that God wants me to do here? How can I make this a more beautiful community? How can I bring people together more in a more beautiful way? What is it that the people need? Put yourself aside and ask, what is the goal that needs to be accomplished here? And once you figure that out, once you figure out what it is that the people need, once you figure out what it is that God needs, then you can come and add your own creativity and make that happen. But at the core of it all, you always need to know that the most important thing here is doing that which God wants. And then you're able to add your own perspective and your own creativity to make it so much more beautiful. To me, this message is so powerful. I was born, you know, Shifra. That's who I am. I'm just a simple woman. Who am I? And then I got this incredible mission given to me by my Rebbe. The Rebbe asked me to be a leader, to come here to Georgia Tech and to Georgia State and to lead the communities here. And I know that I was empowered to become more than just Shifra, but to become a leader in my community. And that is something that I value every single day. And I hope that I never stop valuing how incredible the mission that I was given is. And I know at the same time, every day I am supposed to be doing what the Rebbe sent me here to do. And at the same time, I know that I have my own talents. I have my own creativity. I have my own abilities that I was gifted when I was born here into this world. And I know that I need to use all of those creative energies to serve my community. I, as an individual, can accomplish something here that nobody else can. And when the Rebbe empowered thousands of people to be leaders, the Rebbe didn't just say, you go be a leader. The Rebbe said, become a leader.
leader and make other people into leaders too. Everybody has their own talents, their own unique gifts that they can give to this world. They only need to be empowered to become leaders so that they can share that with other people. So the Rebbe's vision was to turn every single individual into a leader in their own right so that we could transform this entire world. One of the most beautiful teachings of the Rebbe is about the power of a birthday. It used to be that Jewish people didn't really celebrate birthdays because birthdays were kind of seen as like a pagan celebration. You know, a it used to be um, like the Greeks would celebrate the birthdays of their gods and they would put candles into their foods to celebrate these things. So the Jewish people were like, ah, we don't do birthdays. And then the rabbi came and said, no, a birthday is the day that you became your own individual, that you separated from just, you know, living off of your mother's energy. And now you here in this world can accomplish things on your own that otherwise would have never been accomplished. A birthday is the day that God decided that the world could no longer to continue to exist without you. And so the rabbi turned a birthday into this celebration of the individual, into the celebration of purpose, into the celebration of what is it that you can accomplish in this world that nobody else can. The Rebbe spoke to all of us and said, on your birthday, I want you to sit and think and meditate. What have I accomplished in the last year? What am I going to accomplish in the year to come? You were put here into this world with a unique mission, with something that nobody else can accomplish. How are you making sure that you are going to accomplish whatever it is that you need to accomplish? How are you making sure that you are doing as many mitzvahs as possible? That was the rabbi's perspective that the rabbi shared with all of us. And I think all of us as individuals can tap into that and think about that. Think about what that means. If I have incredible power to accomplish something that nobody else can accomplish, how am I going to make that happen? How am I going to make sure that I am using my own energy to do the things that need to get done in this world? And if we tap into the perspective that the Rebbe had, that the Rebbe looked past the external and saw who we are at our core, the Rebbe saw who we are, what our soul can accomplish, if we can only do that for ourselves, and if we can only look at every other person that we meet, and rather than judge them by the exterior, look past that and see, wow, this is a beautiful, shining soul that can accomplish so much, we will be able to love and value every single person that we meet and understand that every person that we meet has a unique ability to accomplish so much in this world. So l'chaim to all of us that as we commemorate the life and the inspiration that the Rebbe gave to all of us as Jewish people, we should celebrate the Rebbe's perspective and the Rebbe's value of every human being and never look at a person and say, ah, I'm better than them, or oh, they're so much greater than me. 
every single person has a unique mission to accomplish in this world. We should be able to look at every person that we bump into and every person that we meet grocery shopping or that walks into our home and look at the core and value them for the beautiful shining neshama that they have. L'chaim, have an amazing